You know, in John chapter 11, remember when Jesus went there to Bethany in John chapter 11, and when he got in front of the grave site where uh, Lazarus, his good friend, had been laid, he is going to call Lazarus forth, and they're talking about, well, the fact is he's been three days in the grave, and he's talking about that, but he also indicates the fact that, well, a day is going to be a 12-hour period of time. Chapter 11, the book of John, verse 9, And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? There he lays down the criteria for a day. Twelve hours in the day, twelve hours at night, twenty-four hours day and night. Now going back to Genesis chapter 1, we have the numerical adjective to describe the days, and they are an evening and a night equal one day. That's a 24-hour day. But remember Exodus chapter 20. Slip back over to Exodus chapter 20 one more time with me, if you will. Exodus 20, verse 11. Let's read that again. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and he rested the seventh day. Now what is Exodus chapter 20, verse 11? It is a part of the Ten Commandments. What is God doing here? Well, look back up in verse 10 of Exodus 20. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou shalt uh, not have thy son work. Thy daughter shall not work. The male servants not work, nor the uh, maid servants, nor the cattle, or thy strangers that is within thy gates. I want you to rest. He said, in six days I made all there is. I rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. What is he teaching in Exodus chapter 20, verses 10 and 11? He is teaching that the Jewish people, to, in order to be in line with what he wants them to do, especially under the Old Testament economy, they must rest the seventh day. As he worked six days and then rested the seventh day, he set the example for them. Now, was he telling them to rest for a 100,000-year period of time? Because if you want to say in Genesis chapter 1 that one day was equal to 100,000 years, in fact, you can go back to the book of Second Peter chapter 3 and says, well, the Lord said there in verse 8, with the Lord a day is a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years as a day. He's not talking about that's how long a period of time a day is in relationship to creation. He's simply saying, in my mind, I have no concept of time. A thousand years is as a day. A day is as a thousand years. That's what Second Peter chapter 3 is talking about. What God is telling us in the book of Genesis and in the light of creation, in the six days of creation, six 24-hour days, he's saying to them in light of the tenth commandment or the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, you do as I did. Work six days and rest one day. Work six 24-hour days and rest one 24-hour day. So that's what he's teaching. So we have the numerical adjective. We have evening and morning. We have the teaching of the Ten Commandments. But look, if you will, at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14 again. This is the fourth day of creation now. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And they will be what? Let them be for signs, for seasons, and for days, and for years. God allows the greater light and the lesser light, the greater light, the sun, the lesser light, the moon, to separate the day and the night into 24-hour periods of time. So what he's talking about in Genesis chapter 1 would be 24 
hour days, six of them in which he creates all that there is. Let's quickly look at day chapter uh, 1. In Genesis chapter 1, let's look at day 1 for a moment. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, and the, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, this is not the sun, this is not the moon and the stars. This is a very special light, a temporary light, that God is bringing into existence. I have a theory as to what that light really was, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And God saw the light, verse 4, And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and in the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. There's the first day. On the first day, he brought the heavens, the earth, and light into existence, albeit a temporary light. Now look at verse 6 in Genesis 1. We see the second day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. What did he do on the second day? He brought forth the firmament and the waters, and he divided them. He had waters on the earth, that would be the oceans and the seas. He had in the heavenlies a canopy. You're going to have to remember that when we study about the flood, until the time of the flood, there was no rain on this earth. We're talking about over 1,500 years before the flood came after the creation of man, and it never rained on the earth until the time of the flood. That is very important in our understanding. So what God did was put a canopy above the earth when he divided the waters. He put a canopy above the earth so there could be a hothouse effect upon the earth, and everything could live and give longevity of time even to human beings. Now go to verse 9. We'll think about the third day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. So on the third day, God brings plant life into existence. Wait a minute. Uh-oh, there's a problem here. God brings plant life into existence, and we don't have the sun and the stars and the moon upon which plant life must exist from the energy received from the sun. Plant life exists today. You know, if you go ahead, and if you've already read ahead, <laughs> you rascals, you, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And God said, Let the light, there be lights in the firmament, and he brings forth the greater light, which is the sun, the lesser light, which is the moon, and the stars also. Now, what did God do? Did he make a mistake? On the third day, he brings forth plant life. It requires the sunlight to have existence on plant life, but he doesn't bring the sun into existence until the fourth day. Did God make a mistake? No, wait a minute. Let me just remind you of something. God actually could have spoken the worlds and everything in it into existence with one statement. He did not need six 24-hour days to bring creation into existence. But who wrote? 
the book of Genesis. It was Moses, of course. And he wrote the book of Genesis 2,500 years after creation. So God allowed the Spirit of God to breathe into Moses that which he wanted the Jewish people to know. He wanted to teach the Jewish people how they had come into existence and how he, God Almighty himself, had brought all of this into being. But he was also wanting to teach them at the time they were living. And when Moses wrote this, 2,500 years after creation, there were those that were worshiping the sun. The main religiosity of that day was sun worship. God wanted every single one of his Jewish people to understand that he did not need the sun. When he created, he brought plant life into existence before he brought the sun into being, and he did not need the sun. You see, they were worshiping the sun, or those people living around the Jewish people at the time that Moses wrote the book of Genesis, and they were thinking maybe that was who they ought to be worshiping, the sun, to teach against sun worship. Have you ever seen any religiosity that has a sunburst behind it? Those are sun worshipers. You remember when the Holy Spirit of God, when the glory of the Lord departed from out of the temple in the book of Ezekiel, chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11, when the holy glory of the Lord departed from the temple. The Holy of Holies, as it hovered over the Ark of the Covenant, it tells us that there were priests, 25 of them, not looking towards the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, but with their back to the Ark of the Covenant, they were looking out to the east, and they were worshiping the sun. They were sun worshipers. God realized this was going to happen. That's why he brings plant life into existence first, and then the next day, on the fourth day, he brings the sun, the moon, and the stars into existence. By the way, I did say that God could have spoken it into existence instantaneously, as he did. Remember when he was there on the back of the boat taking a nap, and all of a sudden the winds came out of the valley of the winds there on the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. They came across, the and the boat started to heave up and down with the waves, and all of a sudden they said, wait a minute, we're in trouble here. We better wake up Jesus. And Jesus woke up, and they, and they said, Lord, are you going to do something about this? He didn't say, all right, I want the waters to be still, and three days later the waters were still. No, he spoke, and the waters were smooth immediately. The winds stopped. Because the Creator could deal with creation at that point in time. Now, he could have done that, but he chose a different way to do it because he wanted to teach the Jewish people. That's why Moses wrote about the creation 2,500 years after it happened.